0: Hey guys, this is Gail Kim from Impact Wrestling and you are listening to the 8-Bit Suplex
1: Podcast. to another uh rousing edition of 8-bit suplex here on the social suplex podcast network i don't know why i'm talking so slow uh it could just be a sign of the times a uh, sign of the week that everyone is having the collective uh breath holding that we are going through as a nation uh trying to see uh, you know what happens uh, you know some of us voted blue some of us voted orange um but you know it is what it is what it is uh you know it, it, you know We'll see what happens, but uh, without further ado, uh, you know, I owe this person uh, at least 20 bells, uh, but I haven't made it down to the uh, City Hall to pay those bells. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> returning returning from, uh, from the, uh, the sick uh, list, the injured reserve, if you will, Miss Sandy Gaviria. Sandy, how are you?
0: Hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. How are you?
1: I'm okay. You know, I, I think uh, you had a little bit of a sinus thing last week. I've had some really bad allergies, so if I sound a little raspy, uh, you know, oh, I'm pro- yeah. I promise it's not my Tina Turner impersonation. It's just uh, <laughs> just a little, a little bit of rasp, a little bit of, you know, I got my my aha sparkling water next to me though, so we should be all right. We should be good to go. Uh, we, God, uh, oh yeah, your drink might be a little more fun than mine.
0: Mm, yeah, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. no, not more. I don't know.
0: Just some ginger ale.
1: Ginger ale? Oh, wow. You're really trying to get rid of uh, any any lingering sickness there.
0: Is it supposed to help? I don't know. It's just what we had.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, listen, anytime I, I feel bad, I'm like, man, I need some ginger ale. Like, that's like the go-to. But I'm very oh. specific about my ginger ales. And, and this is a, a great, uh, you know, introduction to a wrestling podcast is to talk about ginger ale. But I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, I'm <laughs> pretty much strictly uh, Canada Dry ginger ale. Pretty much uh, strictly, yeah. Uh,
0: I think it's a pretty, pretty general consensus that that is the best in true Well,
1: you know, there are people that would disagree with that. Um, <gasps> there what are. about the other brands. Well, you know, you got, it. Uh, was it, Wagners um, right. There's people that nope. just, I mean, hang on. <laughs> Seagram's is okay. Or Verner's. Verner's was the, the word I was thinking of. Verner's mm. is a little bitter to me. I'm not a big Verner's kind of guy. But I'll drink. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll drink Seagrams. It's not that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, Canada Dry is the go-to, for sure. Yeah. Made with real ginger, if you believe the can. Which you know, I I'm think drinking could be
0: a. Uh, winn Dixie generic brand ginger ale right now, and uh, it's very flat. Two out of ten would not recommend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the flatness is a shame. I'm sure it's probably fine otherwise. Um, but, you know, uh, we got, like okay, well, listen, uh, uh, so for the listeners 100%. out there, if, uh, if you're anywhere, uh, in the jurisdiction, uh, listening, uh, that, uh, would have a Winn-Dixie, which is primarily mm-hmm. the Southeastern United States, uh, don't go with a store brand, uh, ginger ale, according to Sandy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not burying it. Sandy is. <laughs> so, but we got a lot to get to this week, Sandy. Uh, we're past our spooky season, uh, but that doesn't mean that the frights are not still around here on Impact Wrestling. Uh, we sh- kick off this week's uh, episode with the uh, the reliving of Johnny Bravo getting shot at his wedding because.
0: Okay, so pause. <laughs> <laughs> I have some catching up to do, and so this is the way it opens, right? And, well, actually, well, yeah, I, they, they kind of tell us about the wedding and stuff. And what? He was shot.
1: Yeah. So to set the stage, uh, you know, if you if you didn't catch last week's, uh, you know, basically we had the wedding, some very funny stuff. Uh, you know, played on some tropes. Uh, everyone kept looking around anytime there was a, uh, you know, speak now, forever hold your peace type moment. Everyone paused and kind of looked around, looked left, looked right. Okay, well, I guess we'll just keep going. And uh, eventually, uh, as he gets ready to kiss his bride, Rosemary, the lights go off, a classic uh, wrestling trope, and you hear the sound of a gunshot and a flash of light on the screen, uh, which is pretty jarring if you didn't know what was going to happen ahead of time.
0: Amazing. And
1: uh, yeah, so of course we find Johnny Bravo shot. At the time uh, that it happened, they gave no indication that he would possibly be still amongst the living. Uh, but we found out tonight right off the bat, Sandy, that uh, Johnny Bravo is in critical condition in a medically induced coma, according to Scott Demore.
0: That is, that's something else. I, I listened to the A-Bit-Food last week, and I was listening to this, and I just kept saying, what? So I actually need to go back and rewatch watch this and see how they executed this. Because even as I'm hearing you discuss it, I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, it is definitely like... It's like, you know, one part, fair? it's one part, like, Telenueva. it's one part wrestling, it's one part, you know, uh, spooky, uh, you know, Twilight Zone, Tessa. I
0: love, love your attempt at saying telenovela, that was, that was cute, I'm that was cute. I'm pretty sure I said it
1: <laughs> perfect.
0: Sure, sure, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's not like I was
1: like, hey, uh, I like to watch them telenovelas, you know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't no, that you bad. Give
0: it, you give it a good shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, what, what you're saying is that it sounded all white. Mm-hmm. A little bit. All right. I, you know what? I can I mean, You said it. it, not me. Listen, listen. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm not a true. I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not Latino. I, I'm, I'm sure the name McLaughlin gives that away. So it I give tough. my best, my level best, Sandy.
0: You too, But anyways,
1: you you. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. I'll go ahead and, and pat my, uh, pat my own shoulder here, since this is a Skype call. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, it, it was a, it's an interesting, uh, little wrinkle that we got on, uh, wrestling weddings, you know, they happen and they keep happening for some reason. I don't know why they keep happening, but yeah, I... <laughs> I, I don't know what part of the demographic that appeals to. I don't know if that's a attempt to, uh, in a stereotypical way, capture a uh, wife, uh, audience share, getting wives to sit with their husbands. I don't know, but it's not the first wedding we've had this year in wrestling. Um, so we have. I think- you know what? I think I remember reading an
0: article, and I can't, I can't necessarily quote the source, but it was after the uh, the Lana Rusev, uh, Liv Morgan wedding fiasco thing. Yeah, Bobby and, Lashley. Yeah. Oh, not Bobby Lashley. That's who it was. And I was reading about it. I some article was quoting like the numbers that those weddings in wrestling actually do they actually do draw some some big numbers. I think it's just the intrigue of like, okay, what shit show is going to happen at this right. wedding. And, you know, I think it does pull a lot of interest from from older women. And maybe, I mean, I think that could that could go for everyone. Yeah, we're sitting here talking about it from from the wrestling fan perspective. We're like, oh, we know some crazy shit's gonna happen. But it's just it's that entertainment portion of it. And, and somebody getting shot. I mean, who would have seen that coming? I think that's that's pretty out there. That's much better than just, you know, your typical cake-in-the-face, ha-ha thing that, you know, someone else always tends to do. <laughs>
1: so right, that's, yeah. That's and, that's you fun. know, <laughs> what's funny, too, is that, you know, everyone was in Halloween costumes and everything, too. Uh, followed by, as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, uh, got a chuckle out of me. Because uh, I'm a sucker for anything Ghostbusters. So, you
0: know. Oh, I bet you yeah. look so cute.
1: <laughs> but, uh. Yeah. Anyways, what I want to point out here of our opening segment is that, you know, of course, like I said, uh, Scott Damore says Johnny Bravo is still alive, just in serious condition. Um, and I noticed this, like, immediately before, you know, Scott Demore pointed it out. Uh, he's talking to Tommy Dreamer about it. And uh, Tommy Dreamer is 100% dressed up as Sherlock Holmes.
0: Was he dressed up like that at the wedding?
1: He was not no no, he was dressed oh, okay, up as okay. uh he was dressed up as road warrior animal at the wedding um oh, okay. as he's continuing his tribute to his his uh departed friend uh but no in this segment he comes out with his uh like he's got his uh, little uh, brown coat and he's ready to be a I, detective.
0: I noted that on here it was it was so silly that's the first thing I noticed I'm like look at his Sherlock costume.
1: And, you know, we we find that that we find out that Tommy Dreamer is, in fact, going to go and investigate to find out who shot Bravo. This will be
0: this will uh, be something.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's going to take a few weeks. Uh, They later on uh, tease that, you know, uh, he whittles it down to 10 suspects uh, this week. And Josh Matthews kind of lets us know, well, maybe next week he'll whittle it down to five. And then, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, mm-hmm. as we've talked about on the show before, the Impact uh, announced crew definitely uh, kind of points to uh, what's going to happen later. They kind of, you know, tease, uh, they show their hand a little bit to kind of keep it coming back. So, uh, I think we're in for the long haul here with, uh, with Detective Dreamer.
0: We are. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. This is uh, his second career, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, if he wants to send me a direct message, I have some theories for him. Uh, you know, he did send me a DM once, so, you know, maybe send me another one. I don't know. I mean, I, I like to think we were best friends, but you know, who who am I to say? Um, but yeah, this one, uh, this one, we're going to get started right off the gate with the action. Uh, after the title sequence, we get, uh, the knockouts, uh, championship on the line with the defending Sue Young against, uh, Deanna using her rematch clause.
0: We do. So Deanna comes out with Kimberly and um, as you mentioned, it's against uh, so young. So I guess that what happened last week is that Deanna had some counsel to say, Hey, you know what? She's not even alive. And I said, any alive man, man or woman. Right. Right. Which, I mean, <laughs> did she actually say that? Cause I, I was, I was kind of surprised, but yeah. anyway, she was able to kind of get her way into saying, Hey, this is my, you know, what happened about the glory was not fair. I wasn't prepared. So young, not even alive. Um, I need my rematch. This match, you know, I, I, I was kind of surprised. I was like, how are we going to have a title match to open up the show? I was kind of offended. But then I, I've seen the way it played out. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. It wasn't supposed to be a blowaway match. It wasn't supposed to be the right. rematch of the century. It was supposed to just just be something that will allow the storyline to continue. And as we all know now... This is a big change to what hope, what I think were their original plans with uh, the match that was supposed to happen at Bound Glory with Deanna and Kylie Ray. Um, Josh, I don't know if you want to give us a little information on on that.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I had uh, it's this is this is our uh, serious uh, kind of sad face uh, portion of of the show because we are going to talk briefly, um, because we do want to focus on the on the week's action. Um, I did the other morning uh, get an email because I did have the show subscribe to the Kylie uh, Ray Patreon, um, and the Kylie Ray Patreon uh, page sent out a message saying basically like, hey, you know, uh, very sorry, uh, but basically she's just, she's, she's not well. Um, she's not mentally in a position where she can continue with professional wrestling. Uh, so she's chosen to uh, walk away from it. Um, and and as you know, Dan and I kind of talked about it um, last week, and this is before her announcement. Um, you know, definitely mental health, physical health. Uh, in my opinion, they, they absolutely take precedence over anything that happens with professional wrestling. And we don't know exactly what's going on with her. And quite frankly, we don't need to know. Um, but. I, I think I, I can speak for both of us when I say whatever she's going through, I hope that she does you know get the help that she needs and seeks it out and is uh, you know able to lead a, a normal life away from wrestling and if you know someday she wants to try it again, uh, I think uh, the, the wrestling community should be uh, what, you know ready and, and willing to open uh, their arms back up to her.
0: Absolutely, and you, you nailed it. its you know it's none of her business really to know what where she's at at the moment. We do know that she's not hundred percent. Um, but we just wish her all the best. And if she does decide to come back, like you mentioned, you know, we, our generation has been able to kind of break that, that boundary and that stigma on, um on mental health. And we've been able to be more open about it. And it's not just a, a thing like, like, it's not taboo. And like, you know, if, if somebody says, Hey, I'm having a mental, you know, I'm having some mental issues. I'm going through depression. I have anxiety. It's not just be like, Oh, they're, they're crazy. They need help. They need psychotherapy. No, it's like, Oh, wow, I can relate. You know, this is what I do to cope, and this is right. what I deal with. So um, we've been able to kind of break that stigma, and I feel like we've come on, on the on the other better side of things when we're able to discuss it more. We don't we don't feel so alone. Um, I've personally gone through stages of anxiety, um, social anxiety mostly, and depression, and yeah, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And I completely relate to what she could be going through. Of course, I don't know her, but that that pressure, I could only imagine what what she what she deals with and like you mentioned if she does decide to come back that i think everyone will welcome her with open arms she's i mean she's so freaking talented and she's she such is. a she seems like she has such a great personality so we'll see i think right now impact i think the way impact handled it was absolutely great you know they didn't put blame on her and they didn't just say hey she was a no-show it was just like there's a situation this is they fixed it quickly by putting too young on there and they had and her and diana had a great match at bountiful glory and I, I feel like initially people were, were mad at Impact saying, hey, you advertised this match and it didn't happen. You can't right. do that. And it's like, no, they didn't know as far as they knew she was going to be there. So I think they handle it perfectly. I want to give them props for that because I feel like any other place would have been like, well, they decided to not show up. Or nah. But, you know, and they just have to keep going. And we're trying to find this new story that I guess that goes forward with the Women's Championship. So we'll see where that goes. And going back to the match that happened today, um, the match itself, like like I mentioned, it didn't, it wasn't the greatest match in the world. It, to me, it kind of felt a little sluggish and a little bit slow. Um, but they're trying to build that storyline, and the way what ended up happening is Kimberly threw a chair in the ring uh, for Deanna to maybe use to get out of something. Uh, there was a little bit of a tug of war between Su Young and Deanna for the chair. Su Young ended up actually hitting Deanna with the chair, and so Deanna wins with the DQ. Thanks to the chair involvement there, um, so yeah, it was it was there. Just kind of advance the story.
1: Yeah, I and mean, of course, you know, with the champion's advantage, since C uh, Young lost by DQ, she retains the Knockouts Championship. Correct. Um, which leads to uh, a further discussion between uh, Deanna's barrister and uh, Scott Demore later on in the show, uh, where they have a conversation with the barrister. <clears throat> which is uh, somewhat goofy uh, for Impact to throw a barrister out there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he goes and says, you know, hey, you know, this wasn't the proper use of her rematch clause. You need to give her another uh, match to win it back. And so he's like, okay, great. Go ahead and tell Deanna that she gets a no-DQ match with Sue Young at Turning Point. So uh, Turning Point, of course, is our November uh, monthly special on Impact+. Plus. Um, so that's our first match announced for it. And it's going to be a no DQ match between Sue Young and Deanna Purrazzo. Uh, there are a few people, uh, Sandy on that impact roster that I would not want to be in a no DQ match. I think Sue Young's pretty high up on the list.
0: <laughs> I think so too. Uh, the poor guy looks pale when Scott DeMore said <laughs> that to him. And I think I want to point out Scott DeMore is so freaking great at these backstage segments. He's unnatural. He, he is. Oh, I love I love seeing those segments with him.
1: <laughs> it was great too. It was like the barrister was talking to him, telling him what he needs to have. He goes, "Oh, thank you so much for explaining professional wrestling to me. After 30 years, <laughs> I never got it, and now you just let me know."
0: <laughs> I love so pretty He's got the
1: more. He's he's very good, and and you know, I actually skipped a brief segment uh before the barrister, and we'll just touch on it briefly. Is uh. You know Heath uh, because of Rhino's victory at Bound for Glory in the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match. Heath now gets his Impact contract, but wow. he Heartbreak. is he has to wrestle next week to sign his contract because Scott doesn't want to sign an injured wrestler because who would? I mean that's a risk, mm-hmm. that's a liability. He might not you know perform the way he's supposed to, and you know Heath and Rhino. Oh, no no no. Heath's good. You no, know, he's ready to go. Don't worry about it. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, listen, he, I think at one point he's like, this is some carny shit, guys. Like, knock it off. Like, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, good good segment there, which led into uh, Deanna's Barrister. Um, and then uh, we come up to our next match here with, uh, you know, uh, the ultimate finesser, Chris Bay versus Trey Miguel. And this was uh, obviously the highlight of the show. Uh, but, uh, before we get into that, uh, there is some outside of Impact news around Chris Bay, and I don't know if you saw this, Sandy, uh, but Ooh. New Japan Pro Wrestling has announced that there's going to be a Super J Cup uh, tournament in the United States using oh. uh, their talent here in the U.S. Um, it's going to be airing live in December, and this roster that they're using for the U.S. is got two... Impact wrestling uh, superstars on it. The first one is an obvious one because he's done a lot of work with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and that's of course T.J. Perkins, TJP. A.K.A. T.J.P. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But also uh, we have uh, guys like A.C.H. and Leo Rush in there. Uh, El Fantasma, of course, is a New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. Clark Connors is, you know, from the uh, L.A. Dojo out there. Uh, but the big surprise really came uh, was uh, Chris Bay. Chris Bay is going to be awesome. in the New Japan Cup, uh, or not New Japan Cup, excuse me, the Super J Cup. So they, I mean, they have so many similar names for their tournaments <laughs> over there, and I you know, apologize but to cool. the guys over at Keeping It Strong Style. Uh, they'll definitely be talking about uh, this tournament when it airs, so definitely tune in to their coverage of that. Uh, and we may talk about it briefly just because TJP and Chris Bay are a part of it. Uh, but, yeah, oh, yeah. Chris, Chris Bay uh, getting to, to shine on an international stage uh, streaming on uh, New Japan World uh, in December and as awesome. part of the Super J Cup. So kudos to him uh, for getting that opportunity. Uh, so best yeah. of luck to him uh, and TJP uh, representing Impact. I feel like we have this like shared bond with Impact uh, here on yeah. the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Their success is our success. As I Impact agree. does better, maybe more people want to hear about it, and they can come and listen to us talk about it. That's the way I kind of feel about it, Sandy.
0: Hell yeah. You know what? I feel, I feel like it this way. The more people listen to us and maybe they don't watch impact, we're getting impact viewers. Right. So it's like both, right?
1: <laughs> so what you're saying is that impact should pay us. Right. <laughs> maybe we'll work on we it. Can listen,
0: succeed. You got
1: more connections than I do, uh, Sandy. So you, maybe we can work that angle. Um, uh, but no, uh, seriously though, uh, that's super exciting. Uh, great to see. Hell yeah. And should be a good tournament because I mean, uh, All the guys that that are in that tournament can absolutely just go. So uh, I'm excited for it. You should be also, and the you meaning the the listeners, I know you're excited about it, Sandy, for sure. Uh, But why don't you break down this uh, this Chris Bay-Trey Miguel match for us?
0: So uh, Trey Miguel is officially, uh, I believe, a spider monkey. Oh, my God. He would not stay on his feet for more than two seconds. He is out there. Um, As soon as Chris Bay came out, I'm like, oh, man. And then Trey Miguel's music hit. I'm like, oh, this one should be fun. I know you mentioned this was the hottest match of the night, but to me, actually, it was the main event, which we'll get to later on. Okay. But, yeah, this one, for some reason, I was really excited for it. Something didn't feel... I I wasn't as excited for it as the other matches that I've seen from the X Division roster. Understandable. Understandable. I don't know what it was. Something just felt a little off i really can't even put my finger on it but what we see here it's still a great very fun match we see chris bay um chris bay with some heel antics you know he did the uh eye rake to um trey miguel to get the upper hand we see did you cast that reverse 619 by trey i didn't even know that yeah. was a thing
1: yeah he i think low- he did it last week also if, I, if i'm not mistaken uh, but that is a um yeah, I mean to to do a six one nine period, I'm sure, and you can you can speak to this uh, Sandy probably better than I could. I've never touched a wrestling rope in my life. Um, to do a six one nine, I imagine is quite difficult, and then to do it in reverse, I feel like would be uh, more difficult.
0: I was blown away. I was like, "What? I didn't even know that was a thing." And of course, like it wasn't. It didn't look. You're doing it in reverse. You can't even see where you're putting your feet, so you just have to right. trust that like it gets there. <laughs> So the camera angle made it, you can tell it didn't get as much impact or it wasn't precisely where it needed to be. But still, it's pretty impressive. That requires a lot of strength. Um, And I just didn't even know that was a possible thing to do. But, yeah, at the end, we do see Chris Bay picking up the wind uh, with the second rope flying cutter after a not-so-clean, not-so-good, God, what's the the, the Nando's kick that uh, Will Osprey does, let's call it, the cheeky Nando's kick? Yep. That's what it's called, yes. That freaking, that name cracks me up every time. So it didn't look so great, or I think I think uh, Chris Bay was able to get his hands up, so he didn't get as much impact yeah, from it. Yeah, partial block. And, yeah, partial block there. And so we, beautiful second rope flying cutter. And so he does pick up the
1: wind. Yeah, he gets a lot of hang time off that second rope. Uh, oh, my
0: god! And he hits that's that insane. cutter
1: past the midpoint of the ring from the corner. So that's, I mean, he, he really, really flew through the air there. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, uh, just under six and a half minutes. And, I, and that might be part of the problem, too, is that, you know, yeah. oftentimes with these earlier matches, they don't give them too, too long. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I really enjoyed it the whole time. There's a lot of good uh, 50-50 kind of moments, a lot of good counter sequences. Um, you know, some, if you like, counter sequences that are kind of that that choreographed kind of thing, it's just the kind of thing for you. Uh, knowing that you're not the biggest fan of those, Sandy. Uh, that's probably why this one – I think
0: that's what
1: it This probably put it, that, that sour taste in your mouth at the start, and that's kind of yeah. where it went, I think. But uh, speaking of Chris Bay – You know me so uh, well. Uh, well, we've been doing this for a while now. Uh, this is episode <laughs> 13. Ooh. So I think – and then I think you missed three. So this is your 10th episode, Sandy. So, you know uh-huh. – if I did that math correctly uh, very quickly there in my head, <laughs> which I think I did. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Who cares? I don't
0: know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Chris Bay, uh, we see later on in the show and we'll talk about it now. Uh, it seems like he's trying to, uh, finesse his way. Uh, he is the ultimate finesser finesse his way into a title shot, uh, against rich Swan for the impact world championship. And, uh, rich is like, man, you got to earn it. So, uh, <laughs> We'll uh, keep an eye on that uh, as it develops. Um, I
0: thought that segment was so fun, so clean. Like, they both had, like, that rapport back and forth. And, of course, Chris Bay with his swag and finesse over here, just like, hey, man, congratulations. I see you winning that title. You know, you see me over here. Like, you know, I – and, you know, he's talking like that. And he's like, oh, you you should go ahead and talk to the the office and see about getting a – Title match with Chris Bay. It was so fun.
1: I loved it. It was really good. No, Chris Bay. Uh, it was really good. And you have Rich Swan is the smooth, is the smooth, right? So, a uh, great segment. Uh, and that was pretty much towards the end of the show. Uh, mm. I'm just jumping in back and forth just to tie the characters to their you know things. Just because I think sometimes if we just go start to finish and just recap the show, maybe you don't want to go back and watch the show because we've already told you about it in order. So I don't know. Maybe break it up a little bit, chit chat a little maybe bit about try different to things. Me. You know, um. So then I will touch on locker room talk here, uh, the type of segment that we wouldn't normally spend a lot of time on. Uh, but I want to point it out because we get some, uh, some information here out of it about the Knockouts Tag Team Tournament. Uh, of course, uh, Madison Rayne is hosting with her co-host Johnny Swinger. Um, and they have on as a guest uh, Jordan Grace as well as Tanielle Dashwood um, accompanied by, of course, Caleb with a K. Now, they set this up as both women can't find tag partners. So they're on locker room talk. They're just setting this whole thing up. Even Madison rain goes so far to just completely jump the shark and say, Hey, you guys should be teammates. And then, uh, you know, what? Tennille has other plans.
0: They got me. They got me good. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, they're going to go and do some back and forth here, some smack talking, but then ultimately, you know, Jordan Grayson, Daniel Dashwood are going to be like, all right, fine, we'll do this. We'll be a tag team for the tournament. Yeah. And, man, they, they they got me. They got me good.
1: They did. Listen, I, I, I saw Daniil Dashwood
0: being like, oh, my gosh, she had such a good poker face. She was just over here like. You know, she's, she's talking about it like, yeah, you know, that sounds like a good idea. We do need a, this in this room. There is a tag team that can be that, you know, they're un, they're going to be undefeated. We're going to win the championships. And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's go. But then she started saying too many nice things. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Like the very last <laughs> second, I was like, no. And yeah, so she asked uh, Madison Rayne to be her tag team partner instead, said right after Jordan Grace was like, hey, we should do it. We should be tag partners. What a disrespectful, yep. first of all, poor Jordan. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. And and it really sets up, too. And I pulled up the knockouts roster to make sure that I'm, I was not mistaken in my thought here. Um, but looking at this roster, uh, Jordan has already kind of said she's not going to partner with Alicia Edwards because it didn't work out. That leaves, uh, and I'm looking down the list here, uh, nobody for her to tag with. Um, because you look through the list, okay, Tanil and Madison, Tasha and Kira obviously are tagging together, Havoc and Nevaeh obviously are tagging together, uh, Rosemary and Taya will probably be a tag team in there, Kimberly and Deanna, assuming that Deanna doesn't regain the Knockouts Championship belt. Um, and so the only other person uh, listed in the Knockouts page, uh, of course, is your current Knockouts Champion Sue Young, they still list Susie separately, which I think is very strange. Uh, but hmm. I don't think that, even if that Susie character was still a part of it, I don't see her tagging with Jordan Grace. Um, hmm. And then, of course, they still list uh, Kylie Ray on their roster. She's still in good standing with the company, so maybe they just haven't decided to do that yet. Um, yeah. But right now, unless uh, Jordan Grace pairs off with Alicia Edwards, uh, we're looking at maybe an outside uh, person coming in uh, to tag with her for this tournament, I don't know who that could possibly be. but it'll Jordan, probably ju-
0: give me a call. I'm available.
1: <coughs> there you go, Leona <laughs> De Los Santos, uh, ready right. and willing. Um, I am ready.
0: Let's do this.
1: Outside of you, of course, it looks that... like it's probably going to be Alicia Edwards. Uh, unless you know, Because then if they don't pair those off, then Alicia has no one to tag with. So, you know, we'll see. Unless unless Rosemary is just not interested at all. And then, you know, then you have Ty to throw in there. And, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. I do find it interesting that uh, Gia Miller, the uh, the, uh, backstage uh, reporter, is listed under the knockouts division. Um, So I don't think she's going to get in there uh, and mix it up. But I guess that's an option. Um, Hey. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Tinao Dashwood and and Mass and Rain, uh, as a tag team, uh, a lot of championships uh, between them in women's divisions, uh, you know, across the North America here, um, you know, uh, I think it could work out pretty good for them. I think they're probably going literally
0: at, a match made in heaven for them.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> and you know, they have to me, they have a pretty similar style. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: even like body type, how they move, everything's pretty pretty similar. Um. So yeah, sure. I mean, I think they they could probably gel pretty well as a tag team. Madison's been around; uh, she's a five-time Knockouts champion, uh, I think a two-time Knockouts tag team champion. Uh, so you know, uh, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, she can still go. I mean, she she was recently at those uh those Warrior wrestling shows, right?
1: Yep, yep. She actually had so she yeah. retired from the Indies officially at Warrior Wrestling,
0: um,
1: and okay. and her last match was with Kylie Ray. So, um. And they, they even did the whole uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Ric Flair, I, I love you, uh, super love... kick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So great call back there. Great. Uh, definitely go check out that match if you haven't seen it. Um, it's a pretty good one. Um, but, yeah, so that's Locker Room Talk. And then we have, we pick back up uh, with the aforementioned, and I'm calling them the Dreamer Files. Um, <laughs> as you know, I love to name segments unofficially. Uh, since we ended our Moose Chronicles, I had to have another one. Uh, oh, I am the same
0: moose chronicles.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Thankfully we'll talk about Moose later. It just mm-hmm. is not necessarily a moose chronicle. Um but yeah, I'm the missing. dreamer the dreamer files continue, and as mentioned, uh he kind of narrows it down to uh to ten suspects. Um not that it matters uh at this point. We'll see where it goes. But you know, Tommy Tommy is not above doing skits for a paycheck, so
0: and he never will. be. No, no. And, and it fits well with the whole. I mean, this is all part of that. That whole like Wrestle House crew. The same people. The same kind of silly, goofy segments and storylines. It fits well for what they're trying to do. Give them time. Give them stories. Try new things out. Get new audiences. You know, try different things to capture an audience. Who knows? But you know, right. they're trying. I I enjoy it for the most part. <laughs> Not always. There are some things that I'm just like, oh. But right. it's, it's it's supposed to be fun. It's
1: supposed to be silly, and and it is those things. And and, and great point out by you, of course, it is. You know, the, the crew basically of Russell House continuing to do their silly stuff together. At one point, like uh, you know, Cody Diener and Giant Swinger figure out that they have a match against each other, and Tommy <laughs> Dreamer tries to yell match time like he would in Russell House, and they have to remind him, of course, uh, hey man, we're not doing that show anymore. So, um. He was like, "Oh man, you're right." <laughs> it was no, pretty. It's, <laughs> And I feel like your heart breaks a little bit for Tommy when he realizes he can't call match time anymore.
0: No, now he's a detective, so it's okay.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, Sherlock Dreamer. Um, so uh, after that, we go to what looks like is going to be a defeat row heat challenge, and uh, we get we get uh, TJP. Coming out to the ring after Rohit says he wants a new challenger, TJP uh, does not seem willing to let that be the case, and he comes out. And you know what? Uh, what's funny is all the things that we kind of poke fun at about TJP about how you know he thinks he's the greatest wrestler of all time and all these different things.
0: Oh my god, he did it all.
1: He literally just he literally cuts a three and a half minute promo, basically saying that he's the greatest wrestler of all time
0: um oh god
1: 22 (laughs) years of wrestling youngest gaijin in new japan pro wrestling selling out arenas in mexico listen you can't take any of that away from him you can't (laughs) but read the room guy
0: (laughs) oh god it was so cringy he his whole thing i don't know if it's on purpose or i don't think it is because i feel like he is super into himself as you know as He's accomplished all, like you just said, but man, he to me is just so cringy.
1: He is, and and you know, and and I think, man, they're they're trying to put him as the babyface in this feud, right? And the problem with that is that TJP is too full of himself, too much of a narcissist to be the babyface. He just can't. It, it's not 1980s wrestling anymore, right? Oh, uh, you know, man. so I you know, I thought it was a good promo. Like, he didn't, you know, he he hit all his beats. The content, I didn't necessarily like. But I thought he delivered it well. Um, and he, at one point, Rohit says, listen, man, get out of my ring. Like, I'm done with you. And so he pretends to leave, then comes back in.
0: You missed the most important part, so. Which part? Um, how, like, okay, so TJP's saying about all his accomplishments in the past. And Rohit right, right, literally right, right. says some truth. Like, hey, that's all past tense. Your A has been. I popped so hard. I was like, right. oh! And I was like, you're right. not wrong, my man. Yeah. It's like he's like, a fan. I yeah, know. No, that's true. I mean, <laughs> TJP
1: hasn't done a whole lot since he left WWE. Uh, and really, even the end days of his WWE career, he was not doing much. Uh, because, of course, as we remember, uh, WWE decided that the cruiserweight division should be run by Enzo Amore. Oh. Which we'll just leave that there and uh, not yeah, talk about it. So no (laughs) further comment. But TJP, uh, you know, pretends to leave the ring with his, uh, and I forgot to mention this earlier. uh, Although I don't know why I would have. Uh, He comes to the ring carrying a Starbucks cup Um, instead of a generic coffee cup. I thought that was a bold move by Impact, uh, risking having to uh, pay any licensing fees. Um, But he's definitely carrying a Starbucks cup, and he pretends to leave the ring, comes back in, and then uh, bites the lid off of his cup and splashes what they're saying was hot tea on him. Uh, I don't know about you, Sandy, but it very clearly looked like water uh, to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, clear liquids, uh, not necessarily tea all the time. Um, But yeah, and then they just kind of brawl a little bit, and, uh, you know, TJP stands tall, and we've learned from a backstage segment. uh, I think they said it was going to be at Turning Point. Maybe they said it was next week. I didn't catch when they said it would be. But it sounds like it's going to be a... uh, a no champions advantage match uh, where Rohit has to actually defeat TJP. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm excited. I, I think that's you missed
0: be a, the second most important part of that thing.
1: What did I miss this time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the cringiest thing that came out of TJP's mouth.
1: Oh, which one? Don't what, tell which, me you
0: forgot. Oh but, my gosh. So he throws. i try trying to forget star what he ball. says. I write. He throws the cup of Starbucks in uh, Rohit's face and literally stands there and goes, and that's the tea. And then that's when the brawl ensues. Oh yes. I no, was no. to yeah. Barf. Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, no, um, <laughs> yeah, that was horrible.
0: Awful. And that's the tea. All right. It immediately
1: <laughs> took away like all those good things I said about his like earlier promo. Like how he delivered oh, yeah. it. It was strong. Um yeah, he he erased all of that by with that stupid <laughs> corny line. And you know what? Listen, I'm a corny guy. I tell stupid jokes all the time. Um, but if I'm literally about to start a brawl because I'm trying to win a championship in professional wrestling, I don't think that's the line I'd use. No.
0: Dude,
1: and that impact. Was awful. And hey, impact. You guys have editors. You can cut that out. You made that choice. You chose to leave it in. (laughs)
0: Oh, my gosh. That was awful. And just the answer, that's the T. Like, all right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, but anyways, (laughs) we will get a a match between them. Uh, It's either at Turning Point or next week's show. I didn't catch the date. Uh, But I think it will be a really good match uh, between those two guys. Two really good workers. And it has to come to a finish where, you know, one man beats the other. Uh, so that'll be good. And then I think the next thing on here will be our uh, kind of uh, tag team division, uh, but uh, no tag, no tagging here. It is uh, the big LG, Doc Gallows, versus all ego Ethan Page, uh, favorite of I Sandy's. Love
0: Ethan Page. Yay! I'm uh, very excited.
1: This was, I thought, actually a pretty good match. Um, and I I wrote in my notes that I'm pretty sure this is the hardest that Gallows has worked in three years.
0: He was great, yeah. He, he gave was it really
1: awesome. good. Really good, this match.
0: I loved it. And, of course, this, this wasn't just a match. that was just, okay, let's do flippy shit and poor reaction and just do no. it, right? Mm. It was, it, you had the story in there. Because, of course, when Ethan Page, I feel like whenever he's in a match, especially as the singles, he, there's there's going to be a story there. And that's exactly what he did. So we have them, you know, Doc Gallows with his size, which I actually wanted, wanted to note the size difference here. I thought Doc Gallows was going to completely just take over the entire ring and just make Ethan Page look so small. But Ethan Page is actually a really tall guy. He wasn't that much guy. shorter than Doc Gallows. Yeah.
1: I think it's a but combination size. of Doc Gallows not being as tall as we think he is and then Ethan Page being taller than we think he is. Because you, know you know how wrestling books heights. I mean, they book you as six foot two, Sandy, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I I I was actually like, okay, this is, it's actually going to look good because he, he, Doc Gallows is not just going to throw Ethan Page around, which actually ended up being that way in the beginning. So Doc Gallows is constantly getting the upper hand on Ethan, and here goes the whole storyline. Ethan immediately gets out of the ring, he gets really upset. he's like, oh, I just can't believe he's he's getting it on me. God. And he talks to Josh Alexander's like, come on, man, hey, you gotta help me. And, and he's like, okay, I'm all, I'm the best. I'm all ego. Ethan Page, I can do this. Gets back in there. And again, yep. Jack Gallows with the upper hand. this happens around three times until finally, you know, we have Josh Alexander uh, distracting Gallows. And then Ethan finally has the upper hand, they, something dirty had to have happened um for him to get this upper hand unfortunately he couldn't do it on his own but that's the story that we see here you know he's all ego he's great in there but he's a heel he's a bad guy he's the champ he's gonna do whatever it takes and of course we see him get the upper hand and the match continues it's a very good match i thoroughly enjoyed it do you have a time on this it felt it felt i can't even
1: so it was about according to cage man six minutes 18 seconds so about yeah, the same, same matches, amount of time right? that Chris Bay and Trey Miguel got. So um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really hard-hitting. Uh, you know, Gallows normally does a pretty good job with his striking. Um, and like I said, I, I thought he really worked his ass off, which is something that we just don't see out of Doc Gallows too much anymore. Um, especially, listen, I and, and I understand this entirely, you know, the club, so to speak, uh, you know, by the end of their WWE run, they were not motivated to do anything, and, and I can't, you can't blame
0: really them. blame them.
1: Can't blame them. Uh, they were getting paid a lot of money to just basically sit off of TV. Um, yeah. and then when they got on TV, it was to just job to whatever tag team they wanted to heat up. Job. Um, yep. and and it could have been like you know, listen, I love Lucha Wrestling, but if you're trying to build a team of uh, you know, gals and Anderson, and you have gals and Anderson in your company. A comedy trio of Lucha House Party should not be going over clean multiple times in a row over them. Um, and I'm fairly certain that happened. That's not to say, listen, Liz I rocks. love I love Grand Metalik. I love Lince Dorado. I'm okay about Kulisto. But those, yeah, sorry. Not the very Kulisto on this podcast. Um, but to me, it just it didn't feel like, it, they didn't want to actually push Gals and Anderson. Aside from that first initial push. Um, yeah. and then they just kind of stuck on, Oh, we're going to put them with AJ. Well, now we're going to put them with Finn. Cause they used to be in a club together in Japan. Wink. Um, and so listen, I, I, I really do feel like both of those guys, um, uh, are working a lot harder and impact than they did at WWE. Um, and maybe they're not getting paid as much as they, you know, they like to say that they are um maybe they are trying to turn this into the next big contract for them or they're trying to get back into shape to go wrestle in japan uh which i think carl anderson desperately wants to do i don't know about you know doc gallows necessarily um but i mean you know i when was the last time you saw gallows drill a diving shoulder tackle right i mean he, oh, he that was awesome it was a great diving shoulder tackle and he kind of corkscrewed out of it um mm-hmm. and then you know, of course he, he winds up getting the win with a pretty brutal super kick
0: that super kick, yeah, man, my hips can't even bend that far up and around. Right. And
1: he, I was like, oh. <laughs> and and you are not at the same stature as Doc Gallows. Uh, yeah, That's so a big man. It is. And, and you know, typically a man of his stature would do a big boot and call it a day. Uh, but that was a super kick. So um, yeah. definitely uh, go out of your way to check out that super kick because it was, uh, you know, it was pretty loud and pretty devastating. It was pretty good. Uh, and so, of That's course, good. he gets the win. And the by
0: Ethan. Oh.
1: He, he did so. He did so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like he
1: was, like he was dead. Um, I really enjoyed the really match. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely worth watching for sure, for sure. Absolutely.
0: A little tiny yeah. kind of bit of interference, <clears throat> but it wasn't too bad that it distracted you away from the match. It, it made no. perfect sense as the storyline.
1: And... and it didn't, it yeah. didn't decide the match either. And no, I
0: like
1: exactly. too. I hate it when uh, distractions. Caused the end of the match and we'll get into that later um but uh you know we get uh, a nice backstage segment uh with uh with uh dylan aka swoggle um talking to gia about you know how he's happy to be an impact he's ready to make a run here and uh beat you know. so it looks like we're getting Swaggle back full time which is pretty cool i always thought you know you know, Dylan works hard and he takes really bad bumps, and you know he deserves to get a paycheck. Um, and then, of course, his uh, backstage interview interrupted by the, uh, the most professional wrestler, also the most professional jerk, as it turns out, Brian Myers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. So, what did he say? I can't. Even, I completely forgot about this segment. But he just, what did, what did he even do to him? He like kicked him or like pushed him. I, I think it must have turned <laughs> for a second. But
1: yeah, he, he two hand shoved him. Uh, because of course uh, I think the name of Swaggle's book, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, Life is Short and So Am I. Um, yeah. and then uh, Brian Myers uh, is like, listen, out let me help you out. Your title for your book should be My Career and Impact is short, and then he shoved them to me and shoved them to the ground and said, So am I. So I uh, I don't know, uh, you know, Brian Myers, uh, you know, he takes his Tommy Dreamer feud and then he's transitioning, mm-hmm. I guess, to a Swaggle feud. Um, not necessarily the start and impact i envisioned for the ultimate uh the, the you know the uh, most professional wrestler um but you know we'll see where this goes yeah, and, and i suspect I want, him,
0: I want him up there challenging for the for the main the main title i really thought he was kind of working his way there but there's there's still a lot of, of unfinished yeah. business when it comes to that and of course you have moose but moose is now distracted which we'll get to in a, here in a second but yeah, did not. This is not exactly where I saw him going either. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see where they go with this. I'm sure they have something up their sleeve.
1: I'm sure too, and and maybe it it doesn't even necessarily turn into a match feud, but maybe yeah. it continues the Tommy Dreamer thing where Tommy's like, dude, you know, quit fucking with Dylan. I don't know. Um, but uh, listen, I know I said matches the night before, but oh boy, let me tell you about this one. It is Cody Deaner versus Johnny Swinger, a.k.a. the Swing man, in a four-minute barn burner that could not have ended sooner. Um, <laughs> this match really stunk. I, I, I don't want to be negative. We try to not be negative. And so the less we talk about this, in my opinion, the closer we'll be able to stick to that. Um, but, of course, Johnny Swinger wins with a – and um, I wrote this down. Because I didn't I, I want people to understand this is a 100 percent factual thing that happened. He wins with a loaded fanny pack.
0: <laughs>
1: a loaded he did, I know
0: loaded with white. <laughs> we don't know.
1: We don't know, and quite frankly, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> I don't I don't need to relive it. I just don't.
0: <laughs> uh, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I don't know. I know you're looking at me with such disappointment right now, and I feel it. I feel it to the screen, Josh. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
1: you should feel the judgment I mean, right now. It was not good.
0: <laughs> I, I I feel it. I feel it, dude. I, I don't know. I didn't think it was the worst.
1: <laughs> it's, was, you know, as okay.
0: soon as we see them, it's like, all right, Wrestle House crew. Okay, comedy match, especially when you see Johnny Swinger. And it's like, it's going to be a nothing, funny, throwaway, whatever match. But I feel like they still... Did what I, they I think
1: could. the, the <laughs> Diener gimmick I hate. I'll just be perfectly uh, yeah. honest that the, the rednecks drinking beer bit th- doesn't do anything for me. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, for the, for the listeners that don't know, I'm a Florida born and raised gentleman and I've lived around that stereotype my whole life. Um, mm. not necessarily in my family, just, you know, around, <laughs> right. Um, Maybe it's just I've seen too much of that. Um, or maybe, yeah, I don't know. But just, you know, uh, taking a break for between corner stomps for a swig of beer, going to set up your finisher but needing your hat first so that you can turn it around backwards. Uh, and then there's also <laughs> a really awkward spinning uh, lariat punch that Cody Diener did where Johnny Swinger put his arms up for an axe handle and took, like, I don't know, seven strides in slow motion. It was really strange. I don't know. I every, every spot that I can remember from the match just makes me go, shake my head. I don't know. <laughs>
0: it was just, it was there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's them, it's Russell House. Right. I know, <laughs> I
1: know. Listen, I know I can't expect much out of Johnny Swinger and yeah, Cody Deer. Yeah. Cody, I can expect more out of, I feel like, than Johnny Swinger. Uh, but, of mm. course, you know, anytime the Swing Man's involved, it's just going to be... At least it's short. Yeah. <laughs> I least, see that. At least we have that. <laughs> so uh, moving on from that, uh, our good friend Moose, he's into his Chronicles, and now he's just walking around everywhere in a three-piece suit. Um, and uh, he cuts uh, what I think is a pretty good promo in the middle of the ring there. Yeah, I think so too.
0: You know, he comes out, like you mentioned, in his suit with his uh, TNA Heavyweight championship. Since he hasn't been taken seriously for a long time, but he went through hell to get the title. He defeated EC3. He said he killed EC3. I think he said. Um
1: yeah.
0: He mentioned that he's he's born again. So I feel like the whole you know control your narrative thing the EC3 really did impact no pun intended uh, Moose. And that's exactly what I what they should have done and what I expected it to happen. You know, he didn't come out with his little his little short shorts that he likes to wear his. You know, his casual right. style. He came out in a suit. He doesn't normally do that, right? I mean, yeah,
1: that's, a, that's I a mean, kind of that's like a his, new thing for him. Yeah, since uh since Bound for Glory, he's only been seen in his uh in his three feet suit. Um it's a good look. I mean it, it makes him look intimidating. Oh um, yeah, so much. He beat up Willie Mack in the parking lot last week. Um and then Willie Mack of course jumps him tonight before getting blasted. Um, and we find out that, uh, Moose and Willie Mack, uh, have a singles match, uh, at turning point. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope it, I hope it's a good one. Although, you know, when they, when they start building up these characters in wrestling, of uh, you know, finding their controlling their narrative, rebirth, super monster characters, it could just be a squash. I hope they don't do Willie like that. Um, but I mm-hmm. can also see it going that way, but. When we preview Turning Point, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that a little more. And that's next week. Because that comes up real fast. Turning Point is the 14th. Next week?
0: The 14th. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so a oh, week really? from Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I know it's a busy month for wrestling again. Um, okay. So, anywho, we will move on from that to the main event. This is my
0: we, match of the night.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I it was really good. I I I love this match, uh, too. I thought it was really good. I thought, um, and we've talked about this before. Sammy Callahan can work. Oh Eddie Edwards can work. So good. Eric Young can work, and of course Rich Swan can. Uh, I mean everything. I you know top to bottom. Uh, I, I, I right up into the finish. I really enjoyed this match.
0: Me too. I mean every day. Every single one of them, they looked their absolute best. I felt This felt like a pay-per-view caliber match to me. You know, they were all doing everything that they needed to do to make sure that this match was the best of the night, which to me, it personally was. It was very explosive from the very get-go, just from their entrances. It was like, all right, we're, we're going, you know. They, they've had these storylines with these characters for so long. And it really, you can feel that in the ring where it's like, hey, you know, Eric Young and Rich Swan. that was just recently. Eddie Edwards and Sam Callihan. you know, that storyline's been going on for a very long time. Yeah. You know, you also have Eddie Edwards and EY. Sam Callihan. I'm sure, has messed with Rich Swan at some point or another. Um, I and mean, you can feel that that intensity and that heat from their previous storylines in this match. Um. As far as the moves, I mean, everyone got to get their shit in. They... I thought Sammy and EY worked great as a team. They did. very explosive. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. And you know what? what's interesting is what we see at the end of the night, um, Ken comes in, and this is what you were talking about as far as interference, which yeah. kind, of uh-huh. kind of messes with the match. Ken does come in with the assist, and Sammy ultimately pins Eddie Edwards um, after Ken comes in and kind of helps everyone out. What we see standing in the ring is you know Eric Young and Sammy Callahan and Ken Shamrock. You know very excited and elated. Ey and Sammy, I feel like this this looks like a new faction to me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, if they want to go that way, uh, they certainly can. I mean, we know Sammy has a couple of screws loose. Um, we know Eric and Young, of course, EY? of course has. I mean, more than a few. Um, and you know Ken <laughs> Shamrock. Uh, we'll see where they go with Ken. I can't imagine. That he's going to be a huge integral part of it, um, but yeah, I mean they kind of mirrored the uh, Eddie Edwards uh, Sammy Callahan match, and that you know uh, Ken Shamrock distracts Eddie, Sammy rolls him up. This time Eddie kicks out, uh, but then he winds up getting pulled into a pile driver, and that's how you know Sammy gets the win. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a heel tag team that both both guys have a pile driver as their finisher. Um, and then they got of extra muscle with Ken Shamrock, you know. So, I mean, we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, I wouldn't be mad at it. I think it could work, and they can
0: get some other people in there. Maybe I can't think of anyone off the top of my head right now, but, you know, Eric Young and and, and Sammy and Callahan together, not necessarily as, I mean, I don't know, not necessarily as, they worked well as a tag team, but I can just see this being the sort of a faction rather than just like the start of a, a new tag team. Because our tag team division is already loaded. They need more main event guys, I feel like. Yeah. And Eric Young has been doing a great job at that. Maybe – it's 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 hard to say. It, they can go in so many different ways, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's a wrap on, on this week's uh, Impact. Um, you know, we'll definitely uh, keep you updated on, on anything uh, on this show that happens outside of Impact uh, with our Impact Wrestling group um but uh yeah for this week uh you know we'll put a lid on it and uh next week we'll of course uh, talk about the uh the weekend impact as well as uh previewing the turning point card which we should have a few more matches uh i think they only have two official matches uh slotted for turning point right now uh obviously we'll probably see like three or four more uh added next week uh would be my suspicion um yeah, I mean, pretty good episode. Uh, was it our best episode? Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it worked. It got the job done. And it moves us forward towards turning point.
0: And I'm excited. Isn't that when they're starting the women's tag team tournament? Or am I wrong?
1: I don't know that they are. I think they're supposed to start on impact with that first. But they do have like a preview match next week. With Madison and Tanil versus Havoc and Nevaeh. So that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, now that uh, Impact, uh, we put the lid on that, Sandy. I'm going to take you back to 2001. 2001 was, uh, you know, a pretty uh, interesting year. Especially in gaming. We have, you know, the end of the 64 kind of in the rearview mirror. We have the GameCube starting to kind of ramp up, and we're trying to, starting to see uh, Nintendo kind of push this new wave of titles at us. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with this game series. Uh, did you ever play the Harvest Moon series, uh, Sandy?
0: I did not.
1: Okay, so Harvest Moon is, you know, basically you're – you build your own farm, uh, you harvest plants, you take care of animals. It's, you know, it kind of ushered in this idea that you could do the kind of life simulation games, right? And not to be confused with The Sims, it's a little bit different than that. Um, But Nintendo said, you know, it's great that Harvest Moon exists, but they're not really, like, we don't have them too much on our systems, like, going forward. Uh, And then they eventually came back um but they said yeah, i think we can come up with one uh you know kind of as our own unique uh first party publisher kind of thing um and it kind of plays off of the the kawaii culture in japan you know the cute culture um and we see uh, the release of animal crossing and i don't know about you uh when this came out i was an 11 year old boy uh, you were not um so, what was your kind of first reaction to uh, Animal Crossing,
0: Josh? So, Animal Crossing is a game that we actually we started. I feel I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in a different. way. Sure. I'm gonna jump around. I remember when you created a Facebook group for the new Animal Crossing. Um, yes, that's true. New Horizons, and it was when uh, we were on quarantine. And we needed to find out who had the best freaking turnip prices because damn, these bastards really do try to take our, our money. It's a gamble. It's a, <laughs> the stock market, stock market, if you, if you will, for the game.
1: And right, that's uh, that's S-T-A-O-K. Okay, yeah. Stock market. Yeah. Stock
0: market. <laughs> and I was like, and I feel like that's when we first started to really like talk and, and get, and get to like, get to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, built our friendship you. off of it.
1: Yeah. A little bit, you know, we have met a couple of times through some, like, wrestling events and things. But, yeah, for sure, definitely, uh, this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Animal Crossing. I'm pretty comfortable saying that, Sandy.
0: Me too. That's why I wanted to bring that up. It was like, okay, because of Animal Crossing, because of, of course, wrestling shows and stuff, we were able to create the 8-bit uh, Suplex podcast, and that's why we're here. And so it's really great to talk about it. But I actually didn't play Animal Crossing until – City phone when it came, that was the one for the week, correct?
1: Yes. <laughs> so that,
0: that was, was 2012. Yeah. And I didn't play it much because I did because I did not understand it. Actually, not 2012, 2008. It was right after right. like high school for me. So of course, you know, I'm doing all these <clears throat> other, you know, straight out of. High school, early 20s, partying. I didn't do too much gaming or uh, wrestling watching back in those days.
1: <laughs> a little bit
0: of a, a crazy person just having having a ball with my new independence. So let's not talk about what happened during those times. Sure. Like, no, we can move um, right on.
1: We can keep going. Just, just you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't ask me questions about it. Um. So, yeah. So I remember playing that one for just a little tiny bit. I really didn't get into it until... Uh, New Leaf came out for the 3DS and that to me just what really completely sucked me into the world of Animal Crossing but hey I stand firm with this even those games the gameplay on them and which we'll get into I feel like you can go back to any of those games and they age so well they're, they're timeless games yeah I know just a, a couple of weeks ago I turned on my 3DS and I put on New Leaf and my town is still there, you know. They're all mad at me because I haven't been there, and oh, the weeds yeah. are everywhere, and there's roaches in the house. But you know, <laughs> it's a it's a ageless classic, and I I truly have a special place in my heart for the Animal Crossing series. But when did you play first?
1: So I got the first one originally, right? And and now when I say first one, there's a little bit of trivia to this, and you may not be aware of this, but the Animal Crossing in Japan, uh, which Animal I believe is actually animal forest and that's uh-huh. not my trivia question but it was released first on the nintendo 64 and so right. which is why when we get it on the gamecube uh originally in 2001 the same year it came out on the in 64 in japan uh the graphics um are a little bit more block they're a little bit more blocky it's not necessarily the prettiest game on the gamecube um and actually i think that kind of added to the appeal of it it didn't look like it was you know this high-end, super polished game. It looked like a game that you could sit down, uh, you know, on a Saturday and just, you know, instead of, like, you know, getting your gear together and your mud boots and shit and going fishing, you could just, you know, click on your GameCube and sit on the couch and relax for an afternoon, you know, going fishing, planting flowers, you know, hunting bugs, you know, the kind of stuff that, you know, most people do, right? Um, But, yeah, I mean... (laughs) Animal Crossing is such a unique thing, too, because it kind of, you know, posits this world where you're like the only human. Um, you and then, you know, up to in the original, you had four houses in your village. So, you know, you and your siblings, depending on, you know, if there was not going to be fighting and different things like that, depending on who was in your house. Uh, because, of course, in those days, there was no online play. Um, but you could only get four houses uh, in And everything else uh, inside Animal Crossing are anthropomorphic animals. So cats, cows, sheep, gorillas, foxes, penguins. I know I'm leaving out tons. um, But it's a really very unique um, perspective on on gaming. It, It just wasn't, nothing really was like it when it came out.
0: It really, it really is, and to this day, I feel like, you know, they had, they had something kind of like this with, with the meat. What was that? Uh, did you ever play for the 3ds Tamagotchi? No. The Tamagotchi? And so it so was kind of, kind of like the similar concept to that in the same, so like with, with your friends and you, you have a house and you, you put your crap in there. I don't think it did very well, <laughs> but I bought it and it was, it just kind of felt like a, like a, like a mobile game, you know? But sure. it still paid. An ungodly amount of money for it on my 3ds because I'm gonna support Nintendo no matter what. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't even pay 99 cents for a mobile game like that, right? But you know, what? I think there's something <laughs> special about Animal Crossing because the things that you do are so—it's so relaxing and it's such trivial things. You know, you're not—you're not really playing to win. You're not playing. It's—it's ah, it's so interesting to me that it's still to this day one of those games where there's really no no specific point or target or you know there's milestones of course you have goals it's kind of like in life it's like it's life away from life but in a way that it's so calming and relaxing and it's even though you're doing things like okay you're decorating your home you have to go pick up weeds you have to go plant flowers and customize this and pay your freaking mortgage to tom crook tom (laughs) crook that bastard but um it, it's it's so relaxing. It's it's so nice, and they they really are just completely one of a kind. And to me, I mean, you you've played a lot more of it. Did you play uh, New Leaf, City Folk, Wild Wild World
1: as um, well? so I will tell you this is that I I did have, um, I did have Wild World, and we've talked briefly a little bit before. I'm not the biggest DS 3DS player in history. Um, just because it was at a time in my life where I wasn't playing a whole lot of handhelds. Um, City Folk, uh, yeah, I played that one a little bit. Um, I did, so, uh, my wife and I started, uh, dating back in 2012, and we both had three DS's and played New Leaf together. Um, so, yeah, we had two cartridges, two DS's, you know, the whole nine yards. Um... And then uh, yeah, and then of course you know uh, New Horizons uh, is the uh, the you know next one after that as far as a major release goes. Um, and that was kind of interesting too because it was so long. Uh, you go from 2012 to 2020 uh, that you don't have a main Animal Crossing release. You get you know some scatterings of some different things that didn't really go over well. Um, like uh, Happy Home Designer, nobody really bought that. I mean. The diehards did, and but nobody was getting drawn into the series by Happy Home Designer. Um, and then the other one, and this is, this is one of those things that, that Nintendo kind of falls into sometimes, where they'll take one of their franchises and they'll use it to push whatever accessory, whatever hardware that they're trying to push at the time. Um, and that's uh, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Um, Amiibos are really cool. But they're very cost prohibitive, uh, to people to you know try and get, uh, to collect them all. Uh, unfortunately, like if you're you know a family that has a bunch of kids and different things, dropping you know nine bucks in Amiibo to play a game isn't. That's not after you've already paid sixty dollars for the game. I to me that just it's one of the it's like one of those nitpicky frustrating things with Nintendo where they really try to push that stuff. Um, but outside of that. It wasn't really a traditional Animal Crossing game, anyways. Um, and then before we get to New Horizons, the most traditional Animal Crossing release actually comes in the form of a mobile game called Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Did you play any Pocket Camp, Sandy?
0: I did very, very briefly. I actually played it not too long ago when uh, there were incentives for playing it. Now that New Horizons came out, mm-hmm. but when it when it first came out, it was just you know, on its own. You know, I played it a little bit, but it, it didn't draw me in. I don't know. There's there's just, there's that magic of the actual main Animal Crossing games that can right. just cannot be captured when you're playing mobile. It doesn't feel like the same. And it's not supposed to be the same. It was supposed to be like a companion, like, you know, and I feel like that's where the whole um, camping thing for that for that mobile game, actually, it, it ended up working pretty well, but I just couldn't really get too invested in it.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, the the unfortunate yeah. thing is, and I think, you know, we live in a part of the country where we don't have public transportation. Um, so you're driving everywhere, um, and it's frowned upon to play mobile games while you're driving, right? <laughs> um,
0: it's frowned upon.
1: I'm sure, you know, many people are guilty of, you know, doing something on their phones that they're not supposed to while they're driving, right? Texting or looking something up on the internet you know, uh, Pocket Camp, I, I can't recommend doing uh, while driving. Um, but I thought it was, you know, it was a pretty robust game for mobile uh, that was available for free to download off of the App Store. Um, but, you know, it's, it was part of that wave of games that Nintendo said, okay, maybe we'll try to do some free apps um, to get downloads to get people coming back to Nintendo some um there's a mario run uh game i thought that was pretty good they put mario kart oh, yeah, on the, and
0: it they, did very well
1: yeah and they put mario kart on there um so and i think there's also a fire emblem game um and they're, they're really trying to push some of that too and they're doing a pretty good job with it but you know free to play mobile um games are absolute money makers because people toss out all those uh you know pay to win uh, incentives So, you know, for you, it might not seem like, okay, well, okay, I'll throw three bucks for this extra thing in Pocket Camp, right? To get extra, you know, get a strong fishing pole for ten bucks, right? For you, it's... Three
0: dollars from a million people is a lot of money. (laughs) It's three million
1: dollars, right? So, you know, it adds up very quickly. And when you talk about the fact that it's available on iOS and Android and internationally, um, it's a big moneymaker for Nintendo. So, I definitely appreciate that they actually took the time to make a full working game on mobile. Um, But even Pocky camp for what it is, and it is good. um, It doesn't compare to new horizons at all. No. And like what I, what I want to stress and get over as much of a point here is each of the main titles have, you know, added new species of fish added, uh, you know, a wrinkle here about how to get your golden utensils, uh, not utensils, but, you know, whatever you want to call them, tools. Cool. And, you know, you have these different things coming, and then, oh, in this one you can swim, um, and oh, and you can do this in this one, and now you have New Horizons, where literally, as long as Nintendo wants to support the game, it can change forever, um, and that's because obviously we live in a 2020 world where, you know, game patches, downloads, DLC, all of that exists. Um, but really without even, there's, there's not been any paid DLC associated with New Horizons. Um, and it's still just this robust, robust game. And it really, I think Nintendo, in their infinite wisdom, I don't know how they figured this out. They decided to release the game right at the beginning of a global pandemic <laughs> where oh
0: my God, yeah.
1: worldwide people started playing games again uh, because they were home and uh, Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons was a huge and I will say huge success just in digital sales in one month they had 5 million digital sales. So Holy crap. Which is, I mean, when you talk about, you know, digital sales, you're not, nobody's touching those numbers in a single month. It just doesn't happen. Um, like we, we talked about, like at the beginning of the pandemic, people were like, oh, Animal Crossing came out. Well, I don't have a Switch. Well, I mean, those two things together is only like 250 bucks. I'm going to be home for a while. And so you saw Switch lights run out. You saw Switch, the full console run out. Um, and the only thing, of course, that's endless is the games themselves. Um, and so Nintendo starts running those up, selling carts, uh, selling digital sales. Um, <clears throat> and I'll say this. I'm pulling up these sales numbers here. And uh, New Horizons is the third highest known launch month sales of any Nintendo published game. so which is which is crazy because animal crossing is not necessarily a game series that's gotten all the big mainstream success of you know your mario brothers your zeldas your you know but what's interesting enough is that the two games that beat it um were super smash brothers ultimate which is a fantastic game on the switch and super smash brothers uh brawl um which was, I believe, the, the Wii uh, release. So you got two big titles there. And then, of course, everyone made the jokes uh, at the same release date. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Sandy, uh, but New Horizons actually released on the same day as Doom Eternal.
0: <laughs> no.
1: So it was uh, very, uh, very different... Uh, sort of game oh my gosh, uh, no
0: that's all coming back to me this year honestly feels like 10 like a whole decade into just one year so like i'm really thinking rough. back on it and yeah. i'm like like wait a minute and I, I finally remember that it was such a big release day and everyone was like all right you have freaking doom <laughs> and then freaking animal crossing
1: <laughs> so and, night and, and
0: day literally
1: <laughs> right exactly like okay you can either go to hell and kill demons or <laughs> you can go fish you know um <laughs> and you know start terraforming your island or your different things like that um but and one more one more note about sales um because i think this is significant uh, as of august 9th uh animal crossings new horizons became the second highest selling game of all time in japan you wow. want to, you want to take a guess at what number 1 is sandy
0: uh, uh and Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I want to me I want to see Zelda.
1: <laughs> I know that's your 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 inclination. But it, the the highest selling game in Japan all the time is Pokémon Red and Blue.
0: Of course. Duh.
1: <laughs> so, uh to be number 2 to Pokémon <laughs> Red <laughs> and Shit, Blue. That's
0: insane.
1: Uh, all time in Japan history. And that's not best selling Nintendo game. That's not best selling you know whatever. That is all video games in Japan, all time, number two behind Pokemon Red and Blue, um, which, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Pokemon. Uh, tonight's not that <laughs> night. We don't have time for that because that is a very long discussion. Oh my um, gosh. But, yeah, you know, it was pretty funny, um, too, when you start looking at some kind of uh, the the impact, right? We talked about, like, the pandemic impact and different things. Um, but the, uh, the Joe Biden 2020 presidential campaign, actually had uh, oh. someone design yard signs in game yes. so that you could actually put up a yard sign uh, in your game for people to come and visit your island and, and to show your support for Joe Biden.
0: <laughs> yeah. Didn't they build their own Island? I think I was reading about that. I was like, yes. Oh my uh, God.
1: Yeah. It was pretty funny. <laughs> That's I mean, so wild. Uh, you know, it, we talked about, uh, and maybe, you know, she's going to come up again, I'm sure on this podcast, but of course uh, Congresswoman, uh, uh, Ocasio Cortez uh, also was an avid Animal Crossing player. Um, there were stories about how she would pop in on people's islands randomly, and people would be like, oh my God, AFC is on my island. Um, so, yeah. And what's crazy is that, like, there are people that have held, like, kind of um, uh, services, like funeral services and memorial services and different things like that on the game uh, that they couldn't normally have due to COVID restrictions and things. So, um it's really really become a cultural phenomenon um and i think it, you know if the pandemic didn't hit at the time of the release game i, d- I don't it think that happens so no
0: i don't believe that would have at all
1: no but it, you know but this is a good example i think of really the good that gaming can bring
0: absolutely and you know what it's it's wild to me because like you mentioned earlier if Animal Crossing is was not one of Nintendo's big IPs. You know, it's not one of their big franchises that they're going to push like a Mario, like a Zelda, like Pokemon. It's it just it wasn't. Animal Crossing had a very niche type of fan base, and you know you had your 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 diehard Animal Crossing fans, and you know they followed through from Wild World to City Folk and New Leaf, and so on. So it was it was just one of those games. It was it it. It was never intended or meant to have such an impact the way it did in 2020. And the pandemic was literally the best thing that could have happened for <laughs> for this game and for Nintendo. And I know that sounds awful, but when you look at it that way, just like we mentioned, there is no way in hell New Horizons would have gotten to 5 million um, mobile uh, digital, digital sales, sales in one yeah. month or be number two best-selling game of all time in Japan. There's no way in hell. They play it a lot over there, I think more so than maybe other parts of the world. But now I'm sure probably per Capita, yeah.
1: Thing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it, it's it's a very Japan-themed aesthetic in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I mentioned, it, it draws hugely off of that kawaii culture that, that Japan has. You know the the, the Sanrio uh, type stuff, right? Your Hello Kitties, your you know,
0: Hawaii. you
1: know whatever, whatever the other characters are. I know there's like you know there's like a character that's like over easy eggs. Like it's just random, you know. So <laughs> drawing off of that and anthropomorphizing everything, um, and and it, it I think that's why initially when it came over to the U.S. Um, on the GameCube, it was a slow build in, in popularity and it was a slow uh, kind of trudging through and i think that's maybe why they took so long in between each major release because it wasn't like it was one of their their flagships sure it was only ever going to be on nintendo um but it just you know it was one that needed a, a kick in the pants to drive sales um and now i mean i you know my wife has uh cousins that have not picked up a a video game since 1988 they went out and bought switches and like they're all sitting around their house you know during the pandemic playing animal crossing so this game's impact uh is huge i don't think we'll see a video game impact the industry quite like this in this way uh maybe ever again but certainly not anytime soon um i you know but that's you know that's what nintendo does constantly you know, they, they always find a way to, to bring you back and to, you know, make you feel like a kid again.
0: And that's why I love them so much. And you know what? That's the, the best thing to me for, for anyone who hasn't played Animal Crossing or who wants to or who shares the same uh, feelings the way we do. You know, what really sets this game apart is the real time, the real passage of time when it comes to their gameplay. So yeah, yeah, we're talking about very... Trivial things like fishing, you know. There's there's other fishing games out there, like like planting flowers and harvesting things. So there's plenty of mobile games that are like that. This game, though, the way it's able to kind of capture you in and take you away to a whole different world is the real passage of time. Right. You know, the way they're able to send these updates, okay, they're able to not just not just a real time thing, but also be able to to translate that into the game so beautifully. Because that thing looks amazing on my TV with my switch. Oh my yeah, gosh. But you know, you have you have your sunrise, you have your sunset and it's right there matching your time. It's based on where you live, your location, your time zone. So they're able to get the seasons. Okay. If you're somewhere where it's winter, guess what? Your game, it's going to snow. If right. it's if it's, you know, summer, it's gonna be summer. And um, if it's Halloween, they're gonna have a special Halloween event. Like did, right. you, did you get to play the Halloween event? by No, your I
1: didn't. I, didn't. I, I, haven't <gasps> oh, no. I haven't played it. I haven't played it. Full disclosure: I haven't played Animal <laughs> Crossing in a while. It's uh, something that oh, Colleen Colleen yells at me quite often. Um, <laughs> and you know, but you know, no one plays it. Uh you know, my I was gonna say my four year old, but since we've been recording this, he's he's turned five while recording this. Oh. Um, so happy birthday! Happy of birthday, course. No. Uh, to Nolan. And I don't know if you caught, uh, I, I had Nolan do a uh, intro outro for the commercial break last week uh, for the podcast. Um, so uh, this that, is the hour 14 mark. And I know that because uh, Nolan's made me go back and, and rewind it because he likes hearing himself <laughs> on the podcast. Um, and then I, I ripped I some audio um, from a video of Molly doing, because uh, I asked Molly for a star rating on a match. Um, and she said that she would give it 10 stars. And so I ripped Um. that into the commercial break as well. So that's where that audio came from. (laughs) Um, So they're both like, can I hear me on the radio again?
0: All right, here we
1: go. Just, you know, scrubbing through back to that hour 14 mark on last week's episode. So if we have an, you know, an influx in plays, uh, I haven't looked at it, but that's why. Uh, But not to get off on that tangent there, but yeah, Nolan, uh, Nolan plays it quite a bit. He has a character on my island. Uh, And then uh, Molly, my three-year-old has a character on, on Colleen's Island. So. The whole family's playing. It's an all-ages game. Like we mentioned, there's no there's no winning. There's no fighting. There's no anything. It's so
0: it's, sentimental, dude. It's
1: just peaceful. And let
0: me tell you, I want to tell you this story. So I got into it more when, um, when New Leaf came out because I remember watching uh, E3. I think it was 20, 2010 or 2011 when they announced it, when they showed it. And, you know, I, I played City Folk, but I wasn't really that into it. And I know Wild Wild World was the one that really kind of put it into the map because that was the first release on the DS. Yeah. And so being able to play that on the go, I mean, it's being able to play on the go, I feel like it's such an important factor when it comes to um, to Animal Crossing. So that's why I loved it so much in the 3DS. The 3DS was my jam. I have like seven of, seven of them. I was the one camping out, the weird one camping out of Best Buys and Target or uh, the limited edition versions, even though I right, right. have <laughs> I had a bunch of them and so you know when I saw that at E3 and I I was blown away I was like I couldn't play for it I couldn't wait to play for it I had New Leaf and I was so invested I put so many hours in my town you know that was the first time you were able to play a role of mayor in your town and I know that was New Leaf was such a sometimes when we when we see games in in a franchise in a series you know sometimes it's like okay there's not enough changes or maybe there's too many changes and I feel like they they gotten into a rut with City Folk, that it was it was very new and different, but it just wasn't the same as the DS Wild World version. And some people may have been stuck on Wild World, and they said, hey, you know what? City Folk maybe wasn't as big as it could have been. But New Leave, man, they nailed it out of the park. That was a, the first installment that was like, all right, you're going to be the mayor. You're going to be able to decorate your island so much more than you could have in the past. Right. You know, you're able to... Well, you were able to visit people in Wild World, but they were they were able to introduce Amiibo and new locations, new items, new activities, and it was just so it was so much fun. I put so yeah. many hours into this game. My house actually got broken into. I was living alone in the house in Saint Pete. My house got broken into, and they sold everything: my MacBook, my TV, radios my all my gaming consoles they stole my 3ds and honestly i was more heartbroken <laughs> about the stealing my, my 3ds because my right. new leaf game was in it oh no and i was like i was like i honestly cried i was like i don't care about stuff. just give me new leaf <laughs> i was devastated like my oh, whole man. town all my work was just completely just done that's brutal i get a call i know i get a call from the cops I kid you not. I wasn't able to recover my MacBook Pro. I was able to recover like my Xbox and some things like that. But when they called me and they said, hey, there's a 3DS on here that they describe it. It was my, I think it was the Triforce 3DS one or I I can't even remember. No, no, it was the original blue one that I had. Anyways, they freaking found it. And when he told me like, hey, we found all this stuff, I started screaming when he said he found my 3DS. And then when I actually got it back from the cops and seeing that my game was still in there and I turned it on and played it. I'm not even exaggerating. I started crying because I was like, my town is still here. <laughs> and I immediately just went to work on all the weeds and killing the roaches and getting like saying hi to everyone in my town because I wasn't there. It was, oh, my gosh, that, that tug on my heartstrings. I was so devastated that I couldn't play it anymore. Right. And like I mentioned, I still have the game, and I'm turning it on not too long ago. And, of <laughs> course, all, this, all the people are mad. But it's still there. It still knows what time, what date it is. It knows yeah. how long you've been away. You talk to your town, your, your your other animals in the in the city or whatever you are, and they're like, "Hey, I haven't talked to you in so many months, and it's the most heartbreaking thing." But, uh, it is you know you hear all these stories like with me with the house getting broken into. I've read stories online where there was this uh this girl whose mom used to play with her, and her mom would send her notes to send her little like. The, the postcards, I think, is what it is. Send the mail to them, right, right in the game. With little notes and gifts and stuff, because you can t- you can do that in the game. And her mother had passed away. So yeah. she turned on New Leaf after so many years. And, you know, because she stopped playing, but her mom still played. And then once her mom died, she turned on New Leaf and saw, like, all the little letters that she had left that she oh, hadn't man. read before. And I was like, oh, my God. So it, it is such a sentimental game. But it's not just for little kids or women anyone can enjoy it you know you're a grown man and i like to think I, I am <laughs> yeah you are and during the like, second not you know the the pandemic it's it's crazy to see how everyone just said okay what are we gonna do when we're in quarantine and just we don't know how long we're gonna be in quarantine for this was the perfect escape for so many people yeah celebrities like elijah wood danny yep. trejo have you, have you seen his island yeah <laughs> his i've seen those too. those
1: are very funny yeah. If you didn't
0: know, Danny freaking Trejo from, how are those movies, like the Grindhouse movies, yeah. and you know, craziest, meanest looking bad guy in movies that you've ever seen. He has the scariest face. He's over here playing Animal Crossing and doing interviews, inviting people to his uh, island to see what he plays. and he's over here. I don't know if you've watched those YouTube videos, Josh, but it's so funny. He just goes over there, he's like, his favorite thing is catching bugs, and he'll get distracted, and he'll go catch every single bug (laughs) that he sees while he's doing an interview on his island. It's the cutest thing in the freaking world. That's pretty funny. Um, Anyone, anyone can play. Man, I'm telling you. And I think you're still having a hard time finding stock of the Nintendo Switch after the crisis.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I don't know if the birthday boy is asleep, uh, so I'm going to say this part of the podcast a little softer. We did have to go and find one and I was lucky to find one. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, um, a struggle and it was something that had to be done like ahead of time. Um, so, but yeah, uh, they they are definitely harder, especially the lights. The lights are really hard to come by. Um, yeah. So, you know, because they're, they are a hundred bucks cheaper. So I think that probably plays a huge part of it. Um, -hmm. We have, we have one of each in the house currently in use, um, Kyle plays on the light and then I have the, the regular switch cause I bought one at launch. Um, my, of course my left Joy-Con is, is completely screwed up, uh, which is, you know, a topic for another time. Uh, the, the woes of the Joy-Con controller,
0: um, No issue, right? I think I just read about it. I'm like, Oh yeah, no, yeah. mine too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Joy-Con, joy drift is bad. Um, and I won't rant about it tonight. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, uh, you know, I know we haven't really, like, talked about gameplay too, too, too much, and more so just kind of the overview of what Animal Crossing is and what it means to uh, the world of gaming as a whole. Um, it's a very simplistic gameplay style, but it's, you get lost in the simplicity and the ease of use, and, um, and you can just kind of just, you just sit back and kick back for a few hours and just, you know, relax. And I think ultimately... Uh, you know, gaming has always been an escape for me from, you know, whatever's going on around, whatever stress, whatever, you know, work or school or whatever's going on. Um, and, and sometimes to, to get away from the stress, you need to play something that's not stressful. Um, and it's not a stressful game, uh, really at all. So, uh, definitely if you've never played an Animal Crossing game uh, now, there's never been a better time to start than now. Um, so definitely, Find yourself a switch. Find yourself Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, or go to your local game store and pick up uh, a GameCube and pick up uh, Animal Crossing uh, from back to the uh, the original, um, which it's I do so, have. I still, so have my, <laughs> I still have my I still have my copy of Animal Crossing from uh, 2001 in um, a oh working GameCube. So uh, I think Colleen a few months ago fired it up and she's like, "Wow, this is like." so great like she was like just loving it she played it for like an afternoon and of course you know it became a situation of like she can't just go sit in the bedroom all day hooked up to the tv so she she you know went back to playing new horizons with her you know her light on the couch or you know out, you know so she can kind of pick it up put it down do with the kit some of the kids um but yeah no definitely go check it out if you haven't um i have i will tell more.
0: you though so you said it's not it's not a stressful game I've actually gotten stressed and let me tell you why. Okay. <laughs> so the whole terraforming thing is brand yeah. new in New Horizons. It is. So I was so used to, I can't tell you how many years or how many hours I put into New Leaf. So to me, the terraforming thing is just so new. And I've been like, I still haven't really gotten too into it. Cause I'm like, it's too much. It's too new. And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist too so I yeah. feel like if I start something and it's not going to turn out right in how I want it, then I have to go through all the work of changing it up again. And then I've also gone into the really bad habit of like going on YouTube and Twitter and checking out everyone's freaking most beautiful towns ever. <laughs> and I'm like, mine will never compare. Like we're not even playing the same game right now because the imagination that people have for this game, you're yeah. able to customize essentially every piece of your island the way you want it and not just the island itself but the villagers that live there as well what you wear how you look like the way the houses look like the furniture the backgrounds to make cafes you can make amusement park you can make literally anything on this island and that to me is just the possibilities are just endless and it's so great but it's also terrifying because i'm like I barely have terraformed, and, and it's because I'm like, okay, no, like once I start, I'm going to get in there, and it's going to be like, I'm going to have to send all these freaking bells to move the houses around because it's not going to be exactly how I want it, and it's going to drive me crazy. And I honestly have not even terraformed my island. That's why I don't like to have anyone over. I just go visit people's islands.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I can understand the stress there. I, you know, I think it's just one of those things where it's it it is such a massive part of the game that yeah i mean if you don't take it a little chunk at a time if you try to think about the big picture at first um without taking that first step and then you know you can only move like a house a day and then you know there's so yeah you gotta do some planning but i don't know it's a mellow game for me you know i don't get too (laughs) uh, wrapped up in in all that stuff um but before we finish talking about it and i want to point this out this is kind of a a fun little uh, trivia as well um do you know that animal crossing city folk was not called city folk in every region i did not know in europe and in australia it carries a different name which is animal crossing let's go to the city
0: oh and do we have a reason why City
1: folk. Let's, let's um, city. I am. I'm sure it has probably something to do with with like local nomenclature and you know calling. I don't know if calling someone you know city folk in in Europe means oh. something different than here. You know, like calling you know be like calling someone like a a redneck or a country bumpkin <laughs> or something. I don't know. Animal
0: Crossing city hicks. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
1: right. Exactly. <laughs> a- animal Crossing uh, Beverly Hillbillies um but yeah so but oh and you know what and also uh, if you don't want to spend any money and you haven't played animal crossing and i'll point this out and kind of end with it uh, download pocket camp on your phone your ipad whatever it's free that's true excuse me
0: but no i still feel like it wouldn't be enough of an impact you need to go if you haven't played animal crossing go play animal crossing if you think you're too good for it too manly for it too bad. Danny Trejo plays it. You can play it too.
1: That's true. Not <laughs> a single one of our listeners, and this is a personal guarantee that I'll make. Sandy is more "quote unquote" manly than Danny Trejo. It's just not possible. Um, it's
0: not possible at all.
1: The, the, I mean, the guy's uh, total kick-ass, and uh, you know, he's been in I don't know, a lot more action movies than the rest of us. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, yep. I mean, that's kind of. Uh, <laughs> That's our little uh, Animal Crossing discussion. It's the reason why we're here week, out, week in and week out discussing Impact Wrestling in a roundabout way. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, it's definitely it's a, it's a great game series. Impact is a great wrestling promotion. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we enjoy talking about all these things. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, subscribe to our show if you haven't already go ahead and uh, you know hit those five stars give us a nice little review tell us how sweet and awesome we are and uh, you know go follow us on Twitter at 8 bitsuplex and then you can also follow uh, of course the whole network at social suplex and then uh, you know go ahead and uh, follow me if you want uh, most of my stuff is wrestling related um, but sometimes you know sometimes it makes a little bit of politics in there you know if you like a little politics with your wrestling of course, oh, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you know this, Sandy, but apparently, <laughs> according to Chris Jericho himself, you know, he's not a very political person. You know, he just oh had Donald God. Trump Jr. on his podcast. But uh, before we go <laughs> off the rails there. um, But yeah, so go ahead and follow me too at Laughlin underscore Josh. Uh, and Sandy, go ahead and uh, to let the people know where they follow you.
0: On Twitter, I am at Sailor Zelda. On Instagram, I am at Sandy Gaviria. That's Gaziria, and let us know if you played Animal Crossing, and give me your friend ID so I can message your island.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you
0: guys so much for tuning in.
1: Yeah, no, we uh, we had uh, a lot of fun. Great to have you back, of course, Andy. um thank Make sure you go to you. pro dot slash social suplex. Pick up all your hot shirts uh, from the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Of yeah. course, uh, you know while you're checking out our show, um, checking out the Social Suplex Podcast Network feed, make sure you go ahead and listen to all of our other shows. Of course, the Ace of Podcasts that I mentioned earlier, Keeping It Strong Style. And then, of course, you have – So
0: much content.
1: So much content. I mean – and I want to point out that we're probably the shortest show weekly outside of Grave uh, Consequences, um, and you know we're at like two hours or so pretty much weekly. Um, and, and one nation radio and keeping a strong style are both around three, most of the time, uh, and can go longer. Those guys, uh, great wrestling minds, uh, really on all the podcasts, check out Ricky and Clive also all things elite for you, AW fans, um, you know, grave consequences for all of those that, that, uh, really, uh, enjoyed Lucha Underground, uh, and want to listen to a, uh, episode by episode breakdown, uh, of a show that's no longer on the air, um, but really good show, really good wrestling show. It's a good show. Um, so definitely check it all out. Check us out uh, everywhere that you can. Get our shirt. Christmas is coming. Uh, we could use the money. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to, to shamelessly say that. <laughs> you know. Oh,
0: there you go. <laughs> so. Thank hey, um, you guys.
1: Yeah, but that's it. Uh, we'll see you all. I guess. Next week. Next week. Woo.
0: Bye. Bye it sure will nom本